0: if you have your bibles with you this morning turn with me to first corinthians chapter 16 first corinthians chapter 16 we'll be looking at verses 5 through 11 this morning first corinthians 16 5 through 11 as we get through we're, we're almost through with first corinthians so again, coming down to the last little bit 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verses 5 through 11 and if you do not have a Bible with you then you can grab the Pew Bible there and it's page 905 in the Pew Bible page 905 in the Pew Bible and if you don't have a Bible of your own then uh, please take that Pew Bible as our gift to you we want everybody to have a copy of God's word so 1 Corinthians 16 5 through 11 page 50 or excuse me 905 page 905 in the pew bible you know god gives us a desire to work and and to be productive in life scripture even encourages us in some respects to work hard and strive for success ecclesiastes 9:10 tells us whatever your hand finds to do do it with your might for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom and shield to which you are all going uh, colossians three seventeen says and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him so we are to to work in life and work as if we're working unto the lord everything that we do It should be done unto the Lord. So everything that we do, that we find to do, should be marked with some sort of excellence. Uh, We should always want to strive to to succeed and and do things with excellence unto the Lord. Thus, uh, we should strive to excellence. We should strive for success and life, and, and more so as we think about the gospel ministry as a church, as we Go out to take the gospel to the nations as we do the work of the Lord here in this world. We should strive for excellence. So let us then today do just that. Let us strive for success in the gospel ministry. Let us as a church strive for success in the gospel ministry, the work that the Lord has called us to do. Now, as we strive for success, we often look to people who act, act, have experienced success in their own lives uh, to kind of see what they did, see what, what brought them to success. We, we all remember just a few years ago, back when Michael Jordan was big time in basketball, you know, the, the kind of the theme came out, be like Mike, right? Do it like Mike. Because we saw Mike, Michael Jordan, you know, he, 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 he knew how to play ball. Uh, he did things right to be successful, and so if you want to be successful in, in, in basketball, then, then kind of model his, his, his work ethic, right? Model what he does, and maybe you could find some success. And, and that's a good kind of idea to pursue, right? A good avenue to follow. Find someone who's successful in the ministry, in the gospel ministry, and, and think, like, what's made them successful, how did they succeed in the ministry how did they see such success and follow their model well when we think about the gospel ministry there's few who is more successful than the apostle paul i mean Pop, the apostle paul i mean we are still benefiting from his work of ministry in the first century God used him in a mighty and a powerful way to to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth uh, that is the ends of the Roman empire that he knew that day and so uh, we are benefactors of much of the success that Paul had in his earthly ministry for the gospel. So we look at Paul and, and we see his success and then we want to model that so as we begin to wrap up here in this letter to the corinthian church paul ends by giving some practical instructions for the church by laying out kind of his future ministry plan his plan of action what he's about to do in the days ahead So, as we begin to to look at this, as we consider this future plan, Paul's future plan, we can discern from this seven key characteristics of effective ministry. Seven key characteristics of effective gospel ministry. Or even seven key elements to successful Christian life. I mean, we can apply this to our Christian lives Not just to the church in general, but you can apply these same principles to your individual pursuit of Christ and and your individual pursuit of the life He has given you to live for Him. So, as we begin to look then, I want us to remember remember this is so important that we remember that our pursuit of success in the gospel ministry is predicated on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ let's start there before we see anything else I mean we're fixing to get very practical Paul in this last chapter he gets very practical and if we don't remember what he just said in previous chapters then we lose sight of the gospel and we just get practical, right? If I do this and this and this, then I'll succeed. But all of this is predicated on the gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter 15, he said, I gave to you what was of most importance, that Christ died for our sins as according to the scriptures, that he was buried and raised again as according to the scriptures. That's the most important thing that's where we have to start if we want to be successful in the gospel ministry if we want to be successful in the christian life we start by god's grace with faith in jesus christ we trust that he died for our sins we trust that he was raised again assuring us that we will be saved that we will be justified in him we start with jesus if we don't start with jesus then all the practical stuff that we're about to look at, that we're about to consider, is is useless. If you don't have Jesus, you can do all of these things, right? You can do do the checklist, check these things off. You you can come to church and and get involved with the ministry. You can do all the things that we're about to talk about. and, And you can see some success in the gospel ministry, Even in a Christ-similar, Christ-like life, you can see success there. But if you don't have Jesus, then when it comes to the day of judgment, when you stand before Christ, if you don't have Jesus, you can say, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? Didn't I do this other thing in your name? And he will look at you and say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You see, it starts with Jesus. You can do all you want. But if you don't have faith in what Christ did for you, you're lost. So let's start with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never trusted in him, what we're about to talk about, these key uh, uh, key characteristics of effective ministry, they mean nothing. Start with Jesus. Go back to chapter 15. Start with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Trust that Christ died on the cross for your sins and was raised again for your justification. Trust in Christ. Surrender to Christ first and then pursue successful life, successful ministry in Him. Start with Jesus. We've got to start with Jesus. Now, once we have Jesus, then we can begin to pursue the Christian life. Then we can begin to pursue successful Christian ministry. But we start with Jesus. We ground all of this in Jesus. So as we ground it then in Christ, then let us learn from Paul's example. Once we, we've got that, stri- that straight, once we got that right, Then let's begin to learn from Paul's example and apply some of these practical applications to our own life so that we can see success in the gospel ministry. And yes, I know there's seven. We're talking about seven. And yeah, we're going to try to get through them all today. So we're going to clip through. So strap in. We're going to go. But we're going to get through these today as we look at these seven elements, seven key characteristics of effective ministry. So if you found your place there in God's word, uh, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. First Corinthians chapter 16, starting in verse five. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the, the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now, just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door of effective work has been opened to me. And there are many. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him help him on his way in peace that he may return to me for i am expecting him with the brothers amen may the lord add blessings to the reading of his holy inspired and inerrant word and may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts and you may be seated now like i say paul is getting very practical here he's talking about his future plans for the ministry and so we have to kind of dig into uh, what he is saying here and, and kind of flesh out some principles that we can learn and learn from and apply to our lives. But as we look at this, we, we do see these characteristics of effective ministry. Paul is effective in the ministry. So what makes him effective? And, and here we see some of those characteristics. First of all, effective ministry is planned. Effective ministry is plan. Paul was a planner. We see this in this first little verse here. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia and perhaps stay with you for a while, right? And and so he's giving it. Here's my plan. Here's my plan of action. Paul was a planner, and, and we see this at other places as well. Romans chapter 15 That's the end of uh, of the letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 15. He kind of demonstrates this same kind of action, verses 24 and 25. He says, "I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and be helped on my journey there by you. Once, uh, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem to bring aid to the saints." And so Paul was a planner. He was always planning. All right, I'm going to do this and this and this. Uh, Here's kind of the order of the way I'm going to do things. He was a planner. And and you see, if we want to be effective in the ministry, we have to plan. You have to plan. Now, I had a a buddy of mine who was was not a planner at all. Uh, He was kind of like fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy. And and that's just kind of the way he operated. And, And so he would just... You know, never planned, let's just go. Let's roll, and whatever comes our way, we're just going to roll with it and, and go on through. Well, when you observed his life for a while, you, you began to figure out, man, he was always busy, but he never got a whole lot accomplished because he never planned. You, you have to plan everything. You, you need to make a plan. If you want to be successful, you have to have a plan. I've discovered this in my own life. I mean, even, even in writing, right, i'm i'm dissertation phase so i'm doing a lot of writing and and so even in writing i've discovered that i have to have a plan before i sit down and and write anything as far as substance goes i need to to rough out an outline a plan of action of of what i'm going to say in this paper or this chapter i've got to plan it out if not i'm just going to be here there and everywhere right and it's going to make no sense you got to have a plan in everything that you do. You need a plan of action. Paul was a planner, and if we want to be successful in the gospel ministry, we have to plan. We have to plan. If you want to be successful in ministry and in life, you have to plan. Effective ministry is planned ministry. It is planned ministry. Not only is it planned, but it's also flexible. When we talk about planning... You also have to realize that in that plan, it has to be flexible. You see, there's two extremes to avoid here. There are two extremes to avoid. First of all, there's no planning. Let's just fly by the seat of our pants. Let's just go with it. Whatever comes our way, we'll just go with it and whatever. And and that usually leads to a lot of busy work and really not much productivity. So there's no planning. But then on the other extreme, there's this inflexible type planning. Let's plan out every detail, and and if something doesn't go to plan, then the whole thing is just a wreck. Uh, I mean, have you, you probably know some folks who are kind of like that. They're very organized, very detailed, oriented, and so they plan out every little step. And and man, if something, if a wrench gets thrown in there and and something messes up their plan, they don't know what to do, right? They're just at a loss because "Ah, that's not the plan. That's not the plan. I can remember from my own experience one time I tried to plan out my whole day right just every little detail of my day right down to the hour right I'm going to do from 8 to 12 I'm going to do this and then 12 I'm going to have lunch 12 to 1 and then from 1 to whatever I I planned out every hour of the day And and that lasted for about two days because really the only thing that I accomplished was staying frustrated the whole time because there's always something interrupting the plan something messing up my plan and, and you see you, you plan but you have to be flexible in your plan you have to be flexible in your plan there, there's got to be some flexibility there Paul he, he kind of planned in the flexibility notice what he says there he says uh, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia for I intend to pass through macedonia and perhaps i will stay with you or even spend the winter right or perhaps here's my plan i intend to do this and perhaps i will stay with you but i'm going to be flexible in this i'm not going to i'm not going to commit i'm going to be flexible in this i kind of plan to stay with you but if it doesn't work out that way that's all right he planned in flexibility and and that's the thing we've got to be flexible We've got to be flexible. We got to uh, kind of, you know, kind of go with the punches sometimes. We we plan it out, but when something comes in to interrupt our plan, our program, we don't get all flustered and thrown off track. All right, we just go with that, right? We 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 be, we must be flexible. We have to be flexible. Uh, plans will seldom unfold as. Uh, plans will seldom unfold with the detailed perfection there's the old scottish proverb the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry there's always something that's going to come up murphy's law if it can go wrong it will go wrong something's going to happen to mess up the plan you plan but be flexible in your plan plans must be flexible There's always something that's going to interrupt them. But when we are flexible, it is often those unplanned events, right? Make a plan, but now we're flexible. Now here comes an unplanned event. It comes to interrupt your plan. But oftentimes we find that in those unplanned events, man, that's where God is working. It's often in the unplanned visitations, the unplanned encounters, those things that i didn't anticipate those things that providentially came up along the way it's in those things that god uses the most therefore we have to be we have to plan and we have to be flexible because we have to surrender effective ministry to christ effective ministry is surrendered number three effective ministry is surrendered Paul made his plans, right? But then he surrendered them to God. Notice what he says there in verse 7. For I do not want to see you now, just in passing. I hope to spend time with you, if the Lord permits. Circle that little phrase there, if the Lord permits. Right, Paul, he planned but he he was also flexible in his plan he even planned in his flexibility He, he, he was flexible in his plan because his plan was always surrendered to god it was always surrendered to the providential guidance of the lord and we see this in in paul's life he had surrendered his life his his whole plan to the lord this is exemplified in paul's second missionary journey now now, Paul, as he's writing 1 Corinthians, he's on his third missionary journey, but we go back to his second missionary journey, and we see this laid out in, in Paul's life. In his second missionary journey, in Acts chapter 16, we see Paul, at first, he, he goes through and he goes through and he, he kind of supports and builds up and encourages all the churches that he planted on his first missionary journey down there in southern Galatia. So all the churches in southern Galatia, he goes through, he and Silas, and and they're encouraging them and and making sure everything's going as according to plan there and and everything's on, on a good foot. And then their plan is to go north up into another region, but God says no. God says no. Acts chapter 16 and verse 7 he says, and when they had come up to Mysia, uh, they attempted, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they attempted to go into Bethania. That's north of Galatia there. They, went, they were intended to go up to Bethania, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see, Paul had surrendered his plan to God. He, he made plan. He wanted to go north. And God said, no, I don't want you to go north. Continue west. <laughs> go west, young man. Right? Go west. And so Paul went west, and God said, now I want you to go to Macedonia. That wasn't Paul's plan, but Paul was flexible and surrendered. And so he did what God told him to do. He, went, he followed God's plan instead of his own. The heart of man, Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. You have to surrender all to God. Isn't that what it means to be a Christian? We surrender all to Christ, we follow Christ. And so, yeah, we make our plans. We we need to make our plans so that we can make progress. But when Jesus says, Wait a minute, I got a different plan. Then we say, okay, Jesus, let's follow your plan. Let's follow your plan. Let's go your way. We had some good friends of ours who they surrendered to missions. I mean, they, they had sold out. They, they knew God was calling them to the mission field to be missionaries in India. And so they, they I mean, they had kids. They were older. They were a little bit older than Mary Beth and myself, and they just sold off everything that they had. Uh, and they moved to seminary. He, Steve went through seminary, got his seminary degree, all that he needed to get there. And, and then they got uh, commissioned by the IMB to be missionaries in India. And so, man, they left rejoicing in the Lord, right? They were going with the full intention of living out their days in India as missionary, as missionaries in India. That was their intention, And they got over there, and and they kind of got established, you know. They began to to work and do the ministry there. They had to go through language training and all that kind of stuff. And and they had their struggles like all missionaries do at the beginning. Uh, But they were there, right? They were committed. They wanted to be there. They wanted to serve the Lord on the mission field. That was their calling in life. Well, about six months into living in India, Joanna got sick i mean like take to the bed sick her, her head began to her face began to swell up we we facetimed them one day and, and honestly it looked like she had been in a fight with rocky i mean it, she was just all swollen up and 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 just didn't feel good couldn't get out of bed it was just terrible what's going on and then one of the kids began to get sick as well well, they got to looking and going to the doctors, and finally they figured out that, that she and one of their children were allergic to a tree that is primarily found in India. All over the continent of India. I mean, it's all over the place. And so the conclusion was if they stayed for about six months out of the year, she would be in bed unable to do anything because of her reaction to this tree what do we do what do we do after much prayer and struggle ultimately they decided to come home god called us there we're supposed to be there but but how can we be there and be sick the whole time and and so they prayed, and they came home. But here's the thing. When they got home, of course, Steve was wondering, what do I do now? I mean, what's our next step? What, what, what's God's plan for us? And they began to look and, and think. Well, his old company called him up, the company that he had worked for before he went off to India. They called him up. Hey, if you're interested, man, we'd love to have you back uh, back in your old position, and, and we, we would we'd take you tomorrow, right? I've got to p- provide for my family. So until we figure all this out, all right, I'm in. Let's go. I've got to have a job. So he went back to work. Interesting thing. In the time that he had been away from his office, before they had went, he was working with a bunch of, of white guys. Right, a bunch of white folks, just like all of us. When he came back, the, part, the, the apartment that he was working in was a completely different. It had completely turned over. Now the majority of the people working in that, that section that he worked in, they're from India. They, they knew the street that Steve and his family had lived on in India, some of them. And so now he's got an avenue into all of these workers and and a connection that he wouldn't have had otherwise. He's connected to them. He can relate to them. They can talk about home, right? They can talk about places in India. And he began to build relationships with them. And he saw many of them come out of Hinduism and surrender to Christ. Oh, God's plan is much better. God's plan is much better. We have to surrender to God's plan. It may not work out like we plan, but God's plan is better. God's plan is better. We have to surrender. We have to surrender. Effective ministry is surrendered ministry. We have to surrender ministry to God. Effective ministry is planned, flexible, and surrendered. Fourth, effective ministry is responsive. Effective ministry is responsive. Look there in verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9, the first part of 9. But I say, but I will stay, excuse me, I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door of effective work has been opened to me. I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door of effective work, of effective ministry has been opened to me. Now, here is Paul's usual program uh, of action. Paul would normally, this is his normal program, right? He, He would go in, he would preach, he would plant, and then he would proceed, right? He would go into a place, he would preach the gospel, He would preach the gospel starting in the synagogue, and when they kicked him out of the synagogue, he would go to the marketplace or wherever, and he would preach the gospel, and he would see people come to to Christ and and turn to Christ, and then he would plant a church. He would establish a church. Usually there were some leading uh, Jewish guys there who were converted, and so they knew the scriptures, and so Paul would kind of instruct them, and he would plant that church, and then he would proceed on to the next town but that changed in ephesus on the third missionary journey paul he comes through and he, he he does the same thing like he had done before right he goes through galatia he goes to, back to those churches that he had planted before he, he checks in on them and then he's going west and then he gets to ephesus and god had opened a door a big door him to do ministry in Ephesus so what does Paul do does he preach plant and proceed no he he preaches he plants and he just establishes himself there for two years he stays there for two years doing ministry in Ephesus because God had opened a door of effective ministry for him there. And he began to, to do work there. And, it, and he planted churches all through Ephesus. And, and then that became kind of like this little epicenter uh, of other ministry work. He, he began to send people out from there to other towns and villages around Ephesus. And, and there was just this great impact taking place for the uh, call of Christ in Ephesus. And so he planted it. He stayed there. And and he began to do work. You see, he was responsive. He saw God working. He saw Christ moving in a spectacular way. And and so instead of continuing on the road of his normal planning, his normal strategy, he stays there. He, He parks it. Because he's responsive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. In the ministry, we must be responsive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. We need to ask certain questions. Where's the, Spirit, where's the Holy Spirit working? What's the Holy Spirit doing? And, and then let's go there. Let, let's get involved. Let's do that. You see, we can get bound up sometimes in useless activity. I, we can get all wound up in useless activity. Well, we've been doing this for 50 years, and, and we just need to continue doing it because that's the way we've always done it. But is the Holy Spirit blessing that? Is he using that? Then, then we, we can do the opposite, right? Let's, let's plan a new thing. Let's do this new thing, and let's do that. And so we try it out. And there's not much success there, right? No, no movement of the Spirit, but, but let's hold on to it. Let, let's keep doing it. Well, is that the right way? That, no, look for where the Holy Spirit is working. Yes, try things, right? Do things. Plan ministries, plan activities. And if the Holy Spirit blesses those and works in those, all right, let's stay there, right? Let, let's stay there. Let's do that. Let's focus on that. As long as the Holy Spirit's using that and and there's, there's success there, then hey, let's stay there. But if the Holy Spirit's not blessing it, if the Holy Spirit's not blessing an activity, if the Holy Spirit's not using an activity, then hey, maybe we should move on to something else we need to be responsive we need to to be surrendered to god and then we need to allow his spirit to give us direction and we need to respond to the spirit's direction we need to be responsive to the holy spirit throughout the ages there's been uh many many revival that have broken out through just a a meeting right some folks gathered together. They decided, all right, we don't know what to do, so we're going to start, we're just going to pray this day. And God showed up. And the movement of the Spirit began to take place, and, and things began to happen, and that one day expanded into a week, into a month, into months, because the Holy Spirit was at work. And so the people stayed And the people responded. And the people did what the Holy Spirit was leading them to do. You have to be responsive to the Holy Spirit's movements. We have to be responsive to the Holy Spirit's movements. Effective ministry is responsive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. We need to look for where the Holy Spirit is moving. We need to look to where the Holy Spirit is working. And we need to respond to Him. And allow Him to give us direction effective ministry is planned it's flexible it's surrendered it's responsive and fifth effective ministry is opposed it is opposed for a wide door of effective ministry has been opened to me and there are many adversaries there are many adversaries to that We see this, and all of this is taking place. Paul is writing this in 1 Corinthians, but then it's also explained in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verses 8 through 10 say, And Paul, this is Paul in Ephesus, entered the synagogue, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, that is, of Christianity, before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of uh, Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks you see there was opposition there was always opposition as we we look at the old testament as we look at the acts of the apostles as we read the the book of acts we see over and over and over again that that there's opposition to the gospel when the gospel is preached when the gospel is proclaimed when when there's response to the gospel opposition is going to come in because we live in a world that Is ruled by the prince of the power of the air we we live in a world that is ruled in some way the dominion that is ruled by by the devil and the people of this world they follow satan right they follow the devil they follow his way and so when the light comes in the darkness retracts from the light they don't like the light And so the darkness wants to overcome the light. The darkness wants to crush the light. The darkness wants to put out the light. There's opposition. Always opposition to the movement of God. Always. When I read about the first great awakening that took place here in America, you see such a great movement of God among the people. You had preachers like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitefield who were going out and they were proclaiming the word and, and people were, were coming to Christ in droves. In droves. But then you had, well, you had all of those great preachers preaching and they were just loving this great revival of God that was taking place in, in America. Then you had these old light guys they were called oh that's getting they're getting too uh too emotional at all those revival meetings oh they're not doing it the way we've always done it there's too much too much excitement around this we need to bring it down we need to cool off they up They disapproved of it. They opposed it because people weren't sitting nice and solemnly in their churches like they were supposed to be. They were getting excited about Jesus. We can't have that. They opposed it. You see, uh, opposition often comes from without, but it also comes from within. Oftentimes, it's the saints because we're doing things different. We're doing things different. It's not like we've always done it. There's too much excitement, right? There's too much excitement. Let's calm down. And there's that opposition. Here's the thing that we need to understand. When we see success in the gospel ministry, there will always be opposition, whether it's from outside, the secular culture, putting us down, trying to put us down and drive us down, or it's from within the church there will be opposition i've been part of of a church that at uh, one time that things were going right things were going right the word was going out and people were coming to know christ and 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 the church was growing and and growing and and then there were those in the church wait a minute whoa 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 this is happening way too fast there's too many new bodies in here We gotta quench this thing. We gotta stop this. Slow the roll, right? Let's let's back up a bit. We gotta know that when there's ministry success, when there's gospel success, there will be opposition, and you need to prepare for that. You need to prepare for that. We we have to embrace for that. We have to kind of strengthen ourselves to that. We just gotta know that it's coming and get ready we, we know right we know the devil's going to attack somehow some way he's going to attack whether it's from uh, without or within he is going to attack he is going to want to try to keep us from doing what god has called us to do every time we are in the enemy's territory and he will attack us prepare for that but also make sure you're not being used by the enemy make sure you're not the one Who's being used by the devil to quench what God is doing? Protect your own heart. Protect your own heart. Effective ministry is opposed. Therefore, effective ministry prepares for the opposition. Effective ministry always prepares for opposition. Effective ministry is planned, it's flexible, it's surrendered, it's responsive, and it is opposed. And number six, effective ministry is supported. Effective ministry is supported. Look at verses 10 through 11 there. Actually, I'm going to back up just real quick here to verse 6. And perhaps, Paul says, I will stay with you and even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go, that you may support me and help me as i do the gospel ministry and then in verse 10 now timothy comes when timothy comes see that you put him at ease among you for he is doing the work of the lord as i am so let no one despise him help him on his way in peace that he may return to me for i am expecting him with the brothers paul says look at young timothy right? Young Timothy is coming to you. He's been doing the work of the ministry, right? He's beaten and battered. He's been going through the same stuff that I've been going through. We we read in in the book of Acts, we read about all about Paul. The focus is kind of on Paul. Paul is the one who gets run out of town. Paul is the one who gets stoned. Paul is the one who gets imprisoned and and beaten and all of those things. But you got to remember that Timothy was right there with him. He, he was going along with him and he was receiving a lot of the persecution just like Paul was, was, was getting. Uh, he, he was there. He was seeing it. He was beaten. He was battered. He, he was tired, right? He had been doing the work of ministry and, and there was probably some discouragement in him. Paul says, man, ma- make sure you support him. Make sure you love him. Make sure you, you care for him because ministry work is hard and those who are in the trenches those who are doing the work of the ministry man they need they need to be supported now how do we support the gospel ministry well one financially which we talked a lot about last week we we we, we make sure that we support it financially the church can't do the things that the church does the church can't do ministry if there's no funds to do ministry so there needs to be that financial support but there also needs to be that spiritual uh spiritual support as well there has to be spiritual support there needs to be encouragement right encourage those who are in the trenches encourage those who are doing the work of ministry out on the front lines encourage them because they're the ones getting attacked the most oh the satan is attacking the church for sure but let me guarantee you he attacks the leaders of the church even more because if you can take down a leader you can take down the whole church the church the the leaders they they need your support i need your support i need your support i I need your encouragement i need your prayers your spiritual support all along the way. Because I have a big old bullseye on my back. Satan has put it there. And I get attacks every day of my life. There's temptations that I struggle with and struggle with and struggle with. And I get through them because a lot of you pray for me. And I know that. And I'm grateful for that. Effective ministry is supported. It is supported. Support the ministry of the church. Support the ministry of of missionaries whom we've sent out. Support it through your prayers. Support it through your encouragement. Well, let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. When when you, you sit out here at the end of the day, I mean, you can be doing some great stuff. You can be doing some wonderful work and, and have a lot of people encourage, encourage you. Oh, man, that's great. You're doing a good job. All Encouragement, encouragement. But then one person come by with a negative comment and it ruins your day. <laughs> right? That's just our natural way of being. Don't be that one person. Don't be that one person. Now, there's always a way to, to give, you know, that there's, there is good criticism, right? There There's that creative criticism or whatever we want to call it that that needs to be there we got to address problems we got to address issues i understand that but don't be a discouragement in that there's good ways to do that and then there's bad ways support the work of the ministry financially and spiritually so effective ministry is supported through Giving through prayer and encouragement. Effective ministry is planned. Effective ministry is surrendered, responsive, opposed, supported. And number seven here effective ministry is cooperative. Effective ministry is cooper- cooperative. Uh, now, this is completely countercultural, right? It's completely countercultural because our culture says, no, we're in competition with everybody else. It's a competition. We got to be bigger and better than everybody else. But scripture says, no, it's a cooperative thing. We are in cooperation with others in the kingdom. That's why Paul says here, no, when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord just as I am. Just as I am, you think back to the ministry of Moses. I remember in, in a time in Moses' life when uh, there were some people in the camp, right, who were had the Holy Spirit come upon them, and they were prophesying in the camp. And I think it was Joshua came to Moses, and said, "Moses, tell them to stop." Right? They're, they're, they're stealing your thunder, right? They're, they're out there preaching and, and taking some glory from you. And Moses says, I wish everybody in Israel had the Spirit of God and would prophesy. They're not in competition with me. They're telling people the word of the Lord. The same thing happened to Jesus. Jesus was doing his ministry and there were some other disciples who went out and they were preaching the gospel and and doing these great things and Jesus' disciples came in and said, Jesus, what about these guys over there? They're they're stealing your thunder. Jesus says, if they're not against us, they're for us. If they're doing the work of the ministry, they're they're in our camp. We're not going to stop that. We're going to encourage that. We're in cooperation with them. Let me tell you, we are not in competition with Bonita Road, North Monroe, uh, Family Life, or uh, Twin Oaks, or Oak Ridge, or any of these other churches around here. We're not in competition with them. If they're for the gospel ministry, if they're doing the gospel ministry, they're our partners in the kingdom. And when they see success, man, when, when revival breaks out at Benita Road and people are coming to, to know Christ, praise God! Praise God! When people are coming to faith in other churches praise God. It's not a competition, we're a cooperation within the kingdom. And we're going to celebrate the victories of Christ. When people come to know Christ, when people worship Christ, when Jesus receives the worship due his glory, Whether it's here or some other church, celebrate, praise God. Because the kingdom has won the victory. Effective ministry is cooperative. It cooperates with others doing the work of the ministry. This is not a competition. This is not a competition. Celebrate kingdom victory wherever the victory may come so let us strive for successful ministry church let us strive for effective ministry by applying the characteristics of of effective ministry in our own lives in our own work we need to make plans to reach the the lost with the gospel we need to remain flexible in our planning so we don't get in a tizzy when things don't work out right we need to be surrendered to christ we need to be sensitive to the movement of the holy spirit and respond to his guidance in our lives and in our ministry we need to prepare the ministry uh, excuse me we need to support the ministry through giving prayer and encouragement we need to We need to to cooperate with those around us who are engaged in the gospel ministry. We need to work with them and praise them and and celebrate with them when they see success. Strive for success so that Christ might be glorified. Strive for success so that Christ may be glorified. That's the goal. That's the goal. We want to honor and glorify Christ Christ. And all that we do. But we we have to come back to this, don't we? All of this is predicated on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's all for his honor and his glory. We're not here trying to build our kingdom. We're building his kingdom. So that he is glorified. We do all of this work through His power and His Holy Spirit, His presence. If we don't have His presence in our life, if we don't have Christ, it doesn't matter what we do. If you don't have Christ, it doesn't matter what you do. Your best work is filthy rags without Jesus jesus makes them accept, acceptable jesus makes them worthy trust in christ surrender all to christ today oh heavenly father lord we do thank you for the instruction of your word lord you don't leave us here to just try to figure things out lord you give us guidance every step of the way even in this conclusion of 1 Corinthians, Lord, we see uh, ways to, to, to implement your word in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance. Father, I pray that we would be obedient to your word, that we would put these things into effect in our life and into the ministry of this church, Lord. Because, Lord, we want to honor and glorify your name in this earth. We want to see people come to know Christ. We want to see people surrender to Christ. We want to see people worship Christ. So, Father, we pray as we plan, as we make our plan to do the gospel ministry, Lord, that you would guide us in every way. And, Lord, give us sensitivity To feel your guidance. Your providential guidance along the way. And Lord, we pray through your power to your glory that we might see success. That we might see people come to know Jesus. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.